Uh, go ahead and uh, get out your Bible. Get out your Bible if you don't already have your Bible out yet. I want to give you a quick update of our messages the past two weeks. Past two weeks. Two weeks ago, we talked about poop or pearls. Poop or pearls. How many remember that message? Poop or pearls? She heard terrible stories about it. We're in a series. What's our series called right now? We're in a series talking about the reasonable life. How many like that picture? Isn't that a cool picture? Mariah found it. Mariah found it. <laughs> nah, she didn't make it. So actually, if you see on the very bottom left-hand corner of, of it, it kind of says something like copyright from some, yeah, dry icons. Oh, it's, yeah, so you can see it. But either way, it's an amazing picture. I don't understand what it's trying to say, but either way, it's just amazing. You don't get what it's trying to say? It's a reasonable picture. That's all that matters. So we are in a sub-series about, um, about pursuing God. There's three things that a reasonable life consists of. From my definition of a reasonable life, three things that it consists of. One, it's an intentional, aggressive pursuit of God. Uh, two, it's an intentional and aggressive pursuit of your neighbor out of love, not to destroy them. That's important that you understand that. And three, expressed, it's all expressed by the fruit of the Spirit. So living with awesome attitude and character. Sound good? So the past couple weeks we've been talking about the reasonable life sub-category. We're talking about the pursuit of God. And what does it look like to live that life that's reasonable in regards to pursuing God? Pursuing God. And so two weeks ago we talked about poop or pearls question was poop or pearls when we pursue and hold on to desires of our flesh sinful natures things that you want to do uh, Galatians chapter 5 uh, verse like 19 and uh, 18 19 and 20 in that little area right there it gives a list of acts or works of your sinful nature horrible word but sinful is a true and biblical word uh, this, these acts are uh, what we call poop. Poop. And so, you, if, when you pursue and you hold on to that type of lifestyle, what you are naturally doing is you're forfeiting your relationship with Christ. But when you choose to forfeit all else, when you choose to count all else as though it were poop, as though it were dog dung, we talked about, you then gain relationship with Jesus. And I had the little analogy up here, the little prop that uh, for some way, some way, somehow, that little bowl of pearls was able to stay on the podium when we removed all of the poop, all of the things that aren't good, Right? And so when that, from that message, poop or pearls, the question is, are you going to forsake and for, forfeit everything else so that you can gain a relationship with Jesus? Are you going to choose in a life to consider everything else as though it were worthless, as though it were trash, so that you can gain relationship with Jesus? The reasonable life is a life that says everything else in comparison with knowing Jesus is worthless. 
Everything else in comparison to me pursuing and knowing God is worthless. And all of us can testify to that because we've lived and sometimes live on the side of pursuing those things where you lay down in bed at night and you feel horrible. But it's when you pursue God and when you experience the love of God and experience knowing Him and worshiping Him and it's when you experience reading your Bible, you find the most valuable thing. And it's a relationship with Jesus. It's not a worship service. It's relationship with Jesus that is the most valuable thing. It's not even a Bible that is the most valuable thing. It's Jesus that we find in the Bible that is the most valuable person and thing. So poop or pearls, you choose. You can either live in poop or you can forsake the things of this world and pursue Christ who is most important. That's reasonable. That's not something that's crazy and radical. That's a reasonable, rational, logical, natural thing to do when you understand that you've been called of God, that you've been loved by God, that you were like those uh, ten lepers and one of them turned around and thanked God. You can either say, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do and pursue the flesh and pursue the things that I want to do. Or I can stop in my tracks and return my life, my heart, my will, my emotions, and pursue Jesus to thank Him and to give my life to Him. Let me say this also. You don't get rid of the poop necessarily to get saved. You get rid of those things because you've been saved. The truth is, you will not, and you cannot, and you do not want to get rid of those things until God breathes into your heart and gives you a desire to get rid of those things. And so, it's just like the story of the, the, the Israelites that were taken out of Egypt. You know the story where Moses comes and he takes them out of Egypt? Because they were taken out of Egypt, God then wanted to take Egypt out of them. See, they still had their bickering and their problems, if you read Exodus chapter 15, 16 to 17, where they were bickering and complaining. And over a period of time, God was drawing that sinful nature out of them over a period of time. But because they were already saved from Egypt, they were reasonably called to give their life back to God. They weren't called to give their life to God so that they can get out of Egypt. They gave their life to God because God took them out of Egypt. And so it is with us. Because we've been saved, because God loves us so much, I'm going to forfeit all those things from the world so that I can gain Christ. Poop or pearls. The next message was last week. It was one of my favorite because, uh, because I thought it was a good analogy. It was closet order. Closet order. We talked about a bedroom. We had Andrew Meisner's bedroom up here on stage. That was amazing. <laughs> to have Andrew's bedroom up on stage. <laughs> Supposedly, it looks nothing like it. Apparently. The bed is four feet long. It's true. And we had a bedroom up here, and what we realized is that when you don't use your closet for its intended purpose, your whole bedroom's a disaster. How many of you can testify to that? Let me ask you this. How many after last Thursday night went home and cleaned your bedroom, either that night or the next morning? Matthew Millar? Yeah, boy. I did too, actually. When you don't use your closet for its intended purpose, your whole life is out of order. 
everybody has a closet, that was the analogy. We all have our closet. Your closet simply is your alone time. And you can either fill your closet with TV, you can fill your closet with internet, you can fill your closet with pornography, you can fill your closet with random thoughts, you can fill your, your closet with frustrations, you can fill your closet with slander and gossip, or you can fill your closet with an intentional pursuit to know Jesus. And if your closet is filled with an intentional pursuit to know Jesus, your whole life will be in order. And that doesn't just mean one day a week. That doesn't mean that just on Sunday, before the worship service, you go to the bathroom and you take two minutes to pray. That means every day, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you've gone to your closet to be with Jesus. And if you go to your closet to be with Jesus on a daily basis, your life will be in order. But I guarantee that if you don't go to your closet to be with Jesus on a daily basis, your life will be out of order. So if your life's out of order, if you're frustrated, if you're bitter, if you're mad at somebody, don't come to me and ask me why. Don't even ask me to pray for you. I'll pray for you, but don't ask me to pray for you. Just make sure you got a closet. Make sure you got your closet. Because God can do for you what man cannot do for you. He can give you purpose. He can give you reason. He can give you motivation. He can give you desire. He can give you eternal life. Make sure you got Christ in your closet, not a television. I'm not saying television is sin. I'm saying that if a television rules your closet, then it has become sin because now it's ruling you. Closet order. Closet order. The reasonable life is one that desires Jesus and what he offers most valuable. The reasonable life is. The life that is unconditionally, relentlessly, and intentionally pursuing God. Unconditionally, meaning I'm going to pursue Him no matter what. Through thick or thin, through high waters or low waters, through the good and through the bad, like the song we just sang, I'm going to worship Jesus. It's relentless. I'm not going to stop pursuing Jesus. I will not give up. Why? Because He ain't given up pursuing me. So I'm going to continue to relentlessly and unconditionally pursue Him. And thirdly, it's intentional. Your relationship with Jesus cannot be random. If it's random, there is no relationship. If you have a best friend in here, it's not because it just happened. It's because you intentionally pursue each other. And so it is with God. He's not a thing. He's not a philosophy. He's not even a doctrine. He's a person. He's a person as you and I are people and persons. And when we choose to be intentional with God, that's not something radical, that's something reasonable. It's the Christian that lives their life completely, unconditionally, relentlessly, and intentionally connected with the Creator of the universe. That is the life that God is calling you to live. Not to get saved, but because you are saved. That's the reasonable life. Tonight we're going to talk about our heart rivals. Heart rivals. Say that with me. Heart rivals. Rivals. Heart rivals. There are rivals in your heart that are competing with Jesus, and we want to deal with those tonight. There are rivals in my heart that are competing with Jesus. And as I was praying before during worship, I was asking God, God, clear out the rivals in my heart. Let there be no competition in my heart for the, for the throne that you deserve. For the throne that you deserve. He sits on the throne in heaven. But what sits on your throne in your heart? What sits on your throne in your heart? 
Open your Bible to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John's the fourth gospel. I like the book of John because most of the book of John is read. And read means letters of Jesus. It's what he said. So the book of John's a good book because most of it is just what Jesus said. It's really cool. As a matter of fact, pretty much all 13, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 is pretty much read. Other than a few, then he said, that's in black, but everything else is pretty much read. So I like the book of John. John 6. John 6, verse 66. John 6, verse 66. Literally. Literally. John 6, verse 66. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We're starting out so good tonight. We're going straight to it, people. I'm reading out of the Amplified, so you can read with me. It pretty much sounds a little bit the same to yours, but it just adds a few things in there. Not adds, it amplifies a few things. That would not be good. We don't want to add. Bad translation. Mm -mm. (laughs) Yeah. When I start adding things to the Bible, that's when you leave this auditorium and you go somewhere else. Just run and never come back. Amen. John six sixty six. I'm going to read this, and then later I'll tell the, I'll set up the stage for us. Well, let me set the stage first. Uh, Jesus just gets done talking a lot about uh, eating manna from heaven, and that He is the bread of life. He's the He's the bread from heaven, and that if we eat Him, we will have eternal life. Now, even today in our society. Eating somebody sounds kind of weird. Even today. And it will probably will never change. Have you guys seen the book of Eli? That's nasty. They get to the grandparents' house and they're shaking, you know? You guys seen that movie? Anybody? Yes, the movie's legit. And they, what they did is because they didn't have very much food, people would eat each other. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Back to the topic. Back to the topic. Jesus just gets done saying, you must partake of my my blood and my body. You must partake of me. We can get into that. There's so much theological controversy about what that really means, but there's no reason for us to really get into that. Ultimately, Jesus saying, you must partake of me. You must receive me in to have eternal life. Well, What happens is these disciples that were following Jesus, they weren't really disciples. They were more like followers. They were more like people that just kind of followed Jesus because he was the superstar of the New Jerusalem. He was the man. He was like when Michael Jordan comes into town, people want to follow Michael Jordan. Probably today it's more like LeBron James or name another all-star. Who's an all-star? Not basketball. Think something else. Eli Manning. Peyton Manning. Like Peyton Manning walked up in the house. People started following. Then Peyton said, hey, eat my flesh and drink my blood. People left. People left. So that's where we pick up. Jesus just gets done saying, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's saying, you got to partake of me. And people get, whoa. And they say in verse 60, this is a hard saying. This is difficult. And Jesus then says in verse 61, are you offended? Are you offended at this? And we pick up in verse 66. After this, many of his disciples drew back. 
they returned to their old associations and no longer accompanied him. Jesus said to the twelve, will you also go away? Do you too desire to leave me? Simon Peter answered, Lord, key word, you can underline that word, Lord, you can circle that word, Lord, you can put your eyeball on that word, Lord. It's an important word for the message tonight. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else will we go, Lord? Where else will we go? And we have learned to believe and trust, and even more, we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. We have come to know that you take away the sins of the world. You are Jesus. Where else will we go? First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I'm just going to read it. You can write it. You can go jump there real quick, but I'm going to read it for sake of time. It says, first part, it says, And in your hearts... Set apart Christ as Lord. And in your heart, say, my heart. heart. Set apart apart. Christ Christ. as Lord. Lord. That's what we want to do. We want to, in our hearts, set Christ apart as Lord. And we want to take all those competing desires and set them to the side. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful and grateful for your love for us. And God, because of your love for us, we're here tonight to love you back. That's our life. Our life, I want my life to say, I love you back. Let the way I talk say, I love you back. Let the way I walk say, I love you back. Let the way I live and sing and hang out with people Let my closet look like, Lord, I love you back. Because you love us. God, we're here tonight because of your love for us. Help us, God, to hear your word. Challenge us, God, from your word and encourage us, God, that we would be convicted and challenged and encouraged to love you more and more and to live that life that you call reasonable. We love you, Lord. Help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's really important to start with the Bible and with prayer and things like that. It's a good, good place to start, you know. So many options in this life. So many options. As a matter of fact, if there is anything that our life, is, it, that our life has something that is consistent, it's options. If there's anything that you face on a daily basis, it's options. Uh, from, the, from the way that you get up in the morning, there are so many options. You get up on the right side, you get up on the left side. There's so many options whether or not you choose to brush your teeth or you choose not to brush your teeth. And then when you choose to brush your teeth, you're choosing to either use this toothpaste or that toothpaste. Well, then you maybe don't have toothpaste. Maybe you use baking soda. Well, if you don't have baking soda, then you're not going to brush your teeth. And then you're choosing to make your breath stank all day long. And those are bad decisions. This is good. Some of you need to take notes right now. That's a bad decision. If you're not brushing... Okay. There are so many decisions. You either eat cereal or you eat eggs or you eat... Wheat thins, cream of wheat, I get those mixed up, man. Cream of wheat and wheat thins, that's a big difference. I eat wheat thins for breakfast. Well, that's nice. I eat eggs, you know. I eat wheat thins. You have so many options. When you go to school, you have so many options. This life is a life of options. Say options with me. 
this life is a life of options. The way you walk is an option. The clothes you wear is an option. Whether you wear clothes or not is an option. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm glad you made the right decision today. We have a life of so many options. Go to the mall. You have so many options. You know, I wouldn't mind options if I wasn't an indecisive person. But because there's so many stinking options, no, rather, how about this? Because I'm so indecisive, I hate options. Just give me one option. One type of cheeseburger. I don't need six cheeseburgers. Just give me one. I don't need 12 different clothing shops. Just give me one so we all can shop from the same place. Some of you are like, no, that'd be weird. Okay, you, you with me, man? I mean, okay, I understand. I like the variety. I like having options to a degree. But then it just gets too far. It just gets too far. Too many options. Another option is where to eat. My goodness. How, oh, gosh. Lord, bless her, Lord. Do what you can, Lord. Do what you can. Where, how many of you have been in this place? You sit in the car Hi. with your friends. You sit in a car with your friends or people you don't like. But you love them. Come on. And, you go, and everybody asks the question, where are we going? And then it's like a game. Where we're gonna go, and then you just start. I mean, you just do anything to make a decision. So then you just try to pick the decisive people in the car. Hey, can you make the decision for me? Just, just choose it, man. Then they choose. Ah, oh, they want to go there. You know. You told me to make a decision. I know. All right, let's choose again. Let's choose again. All right, all right, all right. So you pull up on the side of the road and make another decision. You're like, all right, you just make the decision. And then make a decision. Okay, I guess. That's indecisive people, right? That's me. That's me. And so then you show up to the most glorified place called Moose's Tooth. Hey! I can just stop right there. <laughs> There's only one place that is as anointed as Moose's tooth, and that's Bear's tooth. That's that's the <laughs> that's the tooth anointing. Then you got the curry anointing. Pad Thai, baby. Come on! I love me some. I had some pad thai today. I had me some curry noodles today. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm starting to get some, some amens. But we choose to go to Moose's Tooth. We chose tonight 
to go to Moose. I stole this. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> and you show up, and then you got to make a decision about how many people you're going to put in your group. And oh, we only sit eight. And you're like, man, you got 16 people with you. <laughs> so then you wrestle with that, and you finally you sit down and get a seat, and they give you a menu. Okay, I just had a menu of places to go, and now you give me another menu, you know? And you take the menu. And then you got to decide whether or not you want appetizers or not. And, and, you, and you read mozzarella breadsticks. Come on, that's anointed right there. Now, the, just the regular breadsticks aren't good, but you get the mozzarella breadsticks, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Wheat, wheat mozzarella breadsticks. More. And then you're like, man, I don't know if I want to get a salad. Well, hey, I'm just going to be here all night. I'm getting a salad, too, you know. So then you got all these lists. You got the Caesar. The blackened chicken Caesar. The mixed green. Honey ginger. I said honey. Moose ranch salad. What is that? Raspberry vinaigrette. And spicy buffalo chicken. That's good right there. I, I, had, I had that one last Friday night. That's a good one. And then you're like, man, am I going to get me something to drink? <laughs> and you read, they got their root beer or cream soda. <laughs> so then you eat those, you make your decision, then you sit down and you say, what am I going to eat now for my meal? You know, because we got so many meals. So you ask the question, man, am I going to get me a sandwich? Like a superhero? Or a turkey sandwich? Or am I just going to go to the pizza? <laughs> so then you show up to the pizza. And I'm just going to skip this side because it says vegetarian pizza. And that ain't me. That just ain't me. That ain't me. That ain't me. But the meat pizza! Yeah! So then you're trying to choose. Do I just go simple tonight and get pepperoni? No. Or do I spice up my pepperoni and get pipe, spicy pepperoni? Or do I go, man, I don't know if I want this pepperoni. I want pepperoni supreme. No, I don't want pepperoni supreme. I want the classic. Or maybe I want high protein land because I just really want to gain some weight. You know, I'm just going to chill tonight. I'm going to climb up Mount McKinley. I'm going to get me an avalanche. Yeah. Or I'm going to go back to Christmas and get Santa's little helper. Yeah. Or I'm going to get me a Greek gyro, man. I don't know what to get. Maybe there's chicken, spicy chicken picante. Pesto chicken. Spicy Thai chicken. Okay, sorry. 
Greenbelt, Alabama. Pizza. <laughs> you guys didn't know that was a pizza? I just made one. I was going to see if you guys were going to say Just throw a name out there. Southeastern pizza. Not even a pizza. Man, is there not so many options of things we can eat? There are. There, I mean, I look at this list. And, and then you got to go to dessert. And you got you to gotta find out if you, if you really want dessert. You know, the reason why we don't continually go back to the same place and eat the same thing is because there's competing desires. There's competing options. There's a rivalry. Even at mitts in this place, there's a rivalry where I'm going to go eat and what I'm going to eat when I get there. There's a natural rivalry. There's a natural competition of what I'm going to choose. And so it is with God. That in our lives, the reasons why we don't continually go back to intentionally, unconditionally, and relentlessly pursue Jesus is because we have competing desires. We have what we call options in our heart. And until we have no option in our heart but to know Jesus but to love Jesus, but to pursue Jesus, that He is the only option that I have, then you will always struggle in your life because you have so many competing options in your heart. Your heart will wrestle with itself about the desires that are on it. You know what the heart is? The heart is simply the seat of desires. It's the seat of desires. That's the biblical definition of a heart. Now, obviously not the heart that is pumping in my body right now that gives me life and pumps blood into my body, but, but the spiritual heart, biblically speaking, the heart is the seat of desires. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's usually talking about the emotions and the seat of desires. And on your heart sits these competing desires. They continually compete with each other. And until that competition stops, you will always struggle with whether or not you're going to go read your Bible, with whether or not you're going to go to your closet and spend time with Jesus, with whether or not you're going to sit and just listen to the Lord, with whether or not you're going to go to church on Thursday night or Sunday morning, because you have competing desires. You know, I mean, I guess I could stand here tonight and... and and give a whole nether spiel about ways that we can love Jesus. But the truth is, every single one of us is going to go out of here tonight with desires. And if your desire is not to know Christ and to love Jesus, then you will not go out of here loving Jesus. But if I can some way, somehow encourage you to make Christ the only option of your life, then you will leave. You must leave because your heart is the seat of your desires. And if you do leave, and when you leave, the only thing you will be able to want to do is to love Jesus. And so if we can somehow deal with the options in our heart, if we can somehow deal with those things in our heart that are competing, that creates a rivalry on our heart, if we can deal with those things, 
then our hearts will be free to love Jesus. There's a battle going on in your heart, and your mind has the choice to decide who wins. Who wins? John 6, 66 is a... It's, it's, it's right what we're talking about tonight. Competing desires. A heart rival was taking place. You had these desires to follow Jesus, but then they had these desires to go back the other way and to do what they did before. We find in verse 60, they said, this is a difficult saying. Pursuing Jesus, loving Jesus, reading your Bible, worshiping, praising God, listening to Him is difficult when you have options. Whether or not I'm going to go to Moose's Tooth or not is difficult if I have options in my heart. I sit in that, sit out of that car, whether or not I'm going to go to Moose's Tooth or Bear's Tooth or somewhere else. It's difficult because I have so many options. And in your heart, you will always struggle and it will be difficult for you if you have options in your heart of whether or not you're going to love Jesus or whether or not you're going to be lazy and slothful and not do anything with your life. Whether or not you're going to live the reasonable life and pursue Jesus wholeheartedly or whether or not you're going to live unreasonable, unrational, or irrational and not love and pursue Jesus. It's only difficult when you have options. But when you have no options and Christ is the one who rules your desires, if He is set apart as the Lord of your heart, it's easy. Because you have nowhere else to go. They say it's difficult. And following Jesus and loving Jesus is difficult if you have options. If you have other things, if you have excuses to go do something else instead. Isn't it amazing that when it's our Closet time, we have so many excuses. Some of us can't relate because we don't have a closet time with Jesus. But to those who do, and to those of us who are intentional about that closet time, intentional about being alone with Jesus, isn't it amazing how when you go to sit down to pray, that something comes up? That a thought of a friend that you need to call or a text message or, oh, Facebook, or you pick up your iPhone and you realize that your iPhone just says you have a message from somebody and you feel like you need to reply to them on Facebook. And then three hours goes by and you didn't do anything and you just lost that time because you had options. But if you don't have any options in your prayer closet, then it's not going to be hard to love Jesus. Our life must be a life that says, Lord, I have no options. We find out in verse 66 where the disciples said many, many disciples left. They returned to their own places. They returned to their other occupations. They returned to their other options. And in verse 67, Jesus says, Do you have other options also? Or do you want to leave as well? In other words, he's saying, Do you have options? In your heart, do you have options? As a Christian, do you have options? Well, if this thing doesn't work out for me, I'm just, I'm just not going to be Jesus anymore. Well, if they make fun of me, I mean, I'm going to go to school today and I'm going to tell them about Jesus, but if they make fun of me, then, then I have an option. I'm just going to say, yeah, I agree with you. Do you have options? 
When persecution happens and comes and people make fun of you for your faith, do you have an option? Or do you stand there and say, I have no other option? What are your options? If you do have options, and if we do have options, if we do have competing, conflicting desires that rule our heart, then what are they? I ask you tonight, what is the thing on your heart? What is, the, what is the competing and conflicting desires that are on your heart that are competing with Jesus ruling your heart? If Jesus is living in your heart, if you're the temple of God and Jesus lives in you, what is competing with Him and pushing Him off the throne of your heart? You have a throne of your heart. Just like in a temple, there's a throne. Just like in a temple, there's a holy place. And in you, because you are the temple of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because you are the temple of God, there is a most holy place where God desires to dwell. But my question for you tonight is, what's competing with that place? What's competing? Is it a girl? Is is it a boy? Is it popularity? Maybe it's popularity. Is it video games? I mean, I've talked about this stuff all the time. You can laugh at me. You can think I'm weird. You can even think I'm religious. Or you can open up your heart and ask yourself this question. Does video games, is video games competing with my heart? Is just sitting at the computer and looking at the computer for countless hours competing with my heart to know and love Jesus? Is me just sitting there thinking about negative things competing with my heart to know Jesus and to love Jesus? I know you have your own things that it's competing in your heart and you have to find that out. Some of us might think, well, well, I can have both. No, you can't. You can't have both. You can only have one Lord because Jesus is either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. He's either the Lord of your entire heart or He's not the Lord at all in your heart. I promise you, I I encourage you tonight that you truly can have Christ rule your heart. This is not just some mystical idea. This is not just some philosophy they teach in class. This is true. You do have this ability to make Christ the Lord of your heart. And the heart is important because if He is the Lord of your heart, then that means He's going to be the core of your desire. And all you're going to want is what He wants. You know, we sing songs, Lord, give me, give me the desire of your heart, Lord. More of you, Lord. What was the song we sang tonight? We want you to be more. We want you to increase. We want you to increase. God will not increase in you or through you until you choose to make Him the Lord of your life. Well, I'm already saved, sure. But are you continually, daily choosing to make Christ the Lord of your heart? Are you continually on a daily basis saying, you know what, today, this day, Lord, there's no options. We pick up in verse 67. Do you have other options also? 
And options are any excuses to avoid having personal time with Him on a daily basis. Options are anything. Any excuses for you to avoid spending time with Jesus on a daily basis. Any excuses that you have to avoid spending time with Jesus. If you do have excuses and if you do have other options, you will live a roller coaster up and down life because your heart is fickle. It's not steady. It's not stable. It's unstable. Your life will be all over the place. And one week, you'll like Jesus. But then the next hour, you'll hate life. Your life will be a roller coaster until you choose to make Christ the only option of your life. A roller coaster. Peter says it's probably the most important thing he could have said. And to us, if, if this isn't truly our heart, if this isn't what we can say and what we desire to say, then we will always struggle. With life, we'll always question life. We'll ask the question whether or not just Jesus is real and whether or not this isn't really, really what's... If Jesus is really this real person who really died and if I really am doing the right thing, am I really going to heaven? You will be all over the place until you choose to say this and to acknowledge this and to really believe this. He says, Lord... He says, Lord. He says, Lord. He says, Lord. He says, Lord. A lot of us say prayers to God like Lord, but we don't live like He's Lord. That's my challenge. I receive that for myself. I call, I call Him Lord. I call Jesus my Lord. The truth is, it's not on a daily basis. I don't act like he's my Lord. But I want him to be the Lord of my heart because the Lord in and of itself communicates and says that they are the ruler and the master of all. And if they're not the ruler and the master of all, then they're not the Lord. Peter says, Lord, where else will I go? Where else will I go? What else will I do today? What other thing can I pursue that compares with you? You have the words of eternal life. At your word, I find eternal life. Because of your word that was spoken to me, I live for eternity. Because of your love for me, I have eternal life. Because you became a man, and you live, and you are living this perfect life. And because you are the Christ, the anointed one, who will take away the sins of the world. Because that's who you are. Where else will I go? in comparison with anything else, with anything else, you are most important. You are most important. I have no other options. 
1 Peter 3.15. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. The Lord means I have no other options. It means that Jesus isn't just a part of my life. It means Jesus is my life. It means that Jesus is a part of my heart. It means that He is the sole purpose of my heart and the sole ruler of my heart. For Him to be Lord means I have no other options but to love and to serve you. If that is your heart, you will never turn from Jesus because you have no other place to go. But when you have options... You will always live the frustrated, unreasonable life. The reasonable life is a life with no other options but to know and love Jesus. People might say, that's, that's, that's far-fetched, Gabriel. That's way out there, man. That's, I mean, that sounds like something a pastor should do, but I mean, that's, that's, that's a little too far. I mean, I get what you're saying, but that's just... No, the Bible says, set apart Christ as Lord of your heart. It's not far-fetched. It's not extreme. It's rational. It's logical. Why is it logical? Because of what we looked at a few weeks ago. It's logical because of His love for you. It's logical because you are dead in your sin. You are dead in trespasses and transgressions. You are dead in Egypt. And God, because of His love and because of His mercy, came in and He pulled you out of that place and He set you on a strong foundation. Whether you feel like it or not, you are, if your faith is in Jesus, you are born again. You are His child. And because of that, it's reasonable for me to live a life with no options but to love and to know Jesus. Where else will I go, Jesus? Where else will I go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the Christ. You are the living and anointed one. I have nowhere else to go. I've made my decision. I have no other options. I have no other options. I, I've decided. I'm done. Slay me if you want to. You know, we could live this life in so many different options. So many different ways you can live this life. You can live this life with options ruling your heart and your whole life will go in chaos. Or you can live your life with one person ruling your heart and your whole life will be in order and it will be reasonable. It will be the life that you were made to live. And you can live this life with your desires going everywhere. You can live this life going and reading your Bible with no real reason. I read my Bible because it's the right thing to do. Is that really good enough? That's not good enough for me. I don't want to read my Bible because it's the right thing to do. I don't want to read my Bible because somebody told me to do it. I don't want to read my Bible because my mom and dad read my Bible. Or their Bible. I don't want to read my Bible because, because the preacher said I have to read my Bible for my life to be in order. I want to read my Bible because I want to know and love Jesus. Yeah. I have no other options. I want to know Him. I want to love Him. 
I want to experience Him continually, daily, relentlessly, unconditionally, and intentionally. I want to pursue Jesus because Jesus relentlessly, unconditionally, and intentionally pursues me. My life is but a response to the God that is intentionally pursuing me. All I say, I say, okay God, I give up. You called and I answer. Because you've called, I will answer and I will respond to you. I hear the phone ringing continually. I go take, I get up in the morning. I go eat my breakfast and continually I hear you calling my name over and over and I will today choose this day where I will turn and respond and say, yes God, you are my God. I have no other options. You know, there's so many things I could try to encourage and shove down your throat, but if this is, if this is, if this is not the most important thing, then I don't know what is. If this is not what the Bible ultimately communicates that we ought to know and love Jesus, then, then, then I'm making a mistake in my life. And I know I'm not. I'm confident. I'm confident that the most important thing, ultimately, what God is calling of us is relationship. That we would intentionally and ultimately, uh, intentionally and, and, and relentlessly pursue Jesus. And you will not, you will not do that until you choose in your heart to make Him, to make Him the Lord of your heart. How do I do that, Gabriel? What does that even mean? That means every day you get up and you say, maybe I don't feel like it today. I don't really feel like reading my Bible, but today I'm going to read my Bible because I don't want any other options. I want to know you, Jesus. Today I'm going to praise you and I'm going to speak praise. Praise will come from my lips to you because I love you, because I'm thankful for you. And as you continually do that, as you continually choose to do that, to respond to Him, your heart will change. And then one day you'll wake up You'll wake up early before everybody else is up and you won't be able to wait to be able to run to your closet to spend time with Jesus. Heart rivals. Heart rivals. Competing desires. Would you bow your heads with me?